Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to another grand and glorious day, and it is glorious in the best little city in America. We'll spend the next two hours on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics and news and politics. It's going to be a big day for news and politics. Uber producer Dan Peters is here today. Dan and I will be with you for the next couple hours up till five o'clock. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio, streaming at your desk at work on KSO.com with your headphones on or on the KSO mobile app. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live for the entire show or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Um, you know, Dan, uh, Dan, are you... Uh, are you, are you a Netflix guy? I can't remember. You you into the Netflix and such? News and politics. News, news and, po- and politics. <laughs> this will be the only news, <laughs> non-news and politics portion of the program. No, not a Netflix person. Well, okay. So I had seen little bits of comedians and cars getting coffee. You know, that's the Jerry Seinfeld deal where he picks somebody, picks up a comedian in a car, different car every time, and they go driving around and they get coffee. Right. And it's always friends of his who, uh, you know, usually it's people he's known for a while. Well, I'd, it started out as kind of an online thing, you know, in the, one of those early online networks. And now it's it's uh, on Netflix. And I just discovered this. I think it came to Netflix fairly recently. And there's a new season coming out. Oh, I'm telling you, man, I, it's good. I'd seen little clips before, but. And I realize, people, I realize that I'm, this is so 2012, okay? I'm really late to the game. Um, but since it's on Netflix, now I can't, I can't tear myself away. And because it's there and it's right in front of you, it makes it so easy. And they're short. They're like 15, 20 minutes long, each one of them. And so you get, you can, it's just like eating candy. You just keep popping them in. You know, and I've seen some criticism of the show, and I I love Jerry Seinfeld, but of course he attracts a certain amount of criticism as not being perhaps as arty as some would like. Uh, but despite any of that, uh, or any of the cultural short failings other may see, others may see, I'm judging this thing by one factor, and that's laughter. And I started watching them last night, one after another, and I I laughed hard occasionally it was that kind of uncontrollable laughter you know where you're just laughing that you can't stop uh and that just that just doesn't happen very often this comes highly recommended dan you're a tough nut to crack so to speak well i you just i mean generally speaking you know you can see things that are funny and you laugh and you <laughs> that's pretty good or you're amused i you know jimmy fallon was on and he was hilarious they were hilarious. So I, I oh, and uh, uh, some of the early ones, uh, uh, Jim, uh, uh, what's his name? He was uh, Fireman, <laughs> Fireman Ralph on In Living Color. I can't, yeah, Carrie, still Jim no, Carrey, Jim oh, Carrey. Oh, Jim Carrey, okay. And he was fantastic. So weird, but so fantastic. So I highly recommended. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stick on these. But here's the other thing that's coming is... Uh, David Letterman's new series. He's got this like, it's not a talk show. It's him 
interviewing people, but I think they're moving around. You know, they're in places that are interesting. You know, I think he's got uh, former President Obama on and some different people. But that starts this week, too, I think on Friday. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I really can't wait for that. I love Letterman. I am unapologetic in my love for Letterman, and I always have. Uh, my brother and I used to skip school to watch his original morning show. I think it was on NBC. Uh, at least we, we did it at least once, and I may be exaggerating this in my memory, but that's, that's the story I tell. And I've been hooked on Letterman ever since. Those were great days. Um, you know, thanks to the master comedians of our generation, uh, the, these things are right in front of us on the TV now, so it's great. And, you know, what's better in life than a flat, outright, genuine, and sincere laughter? You know what it would have been better to see this kind of thing go on during the times of Richard Pryor? I would oh, wonder yeah. what he would have been able to come oh, up with. Oh, my. That's a great George point. Carlin. You yep. know, those guys, Yep, God just, rest their souls. Right, with just their, you know, sort of unfettered creativity. And the beauty of the Seinfeld thing is it's just him talking, a lot of it. And two comedians sort of trading lines. And they're funny, funny stuff. I, If you haven't watched them, go watch it. And I know some of it's old, but there's a new season coming out so you can feel current. Um, you know, that's the beauty of the times we live in. Unfettered access to just about anything we want to watch. Uh, I wish Richard Pryor was around. On-demand entertainment. You can find a cache of comedy with just a few clicks of a remote. It gives one hope to get through this roller coaster torture of winter in South Dakota. So uh, my, my viewing list is full, and thank God. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Republican candidate for the House of Representatives, Mr. Dusty Johnson. He'll be here to discuss his views on the issues facing our country, and I've got I've got my questions all lined up for Dusty, right here in my. We're going to pepper him with questions, so that'll be fun. Uh, the common man will be with us for Weird Friends, and Casey Abbott, my friend Casey, will preview the big bike summit that's coming up on Thursday at Icon Downtown. Yes, it's going to be a little windy and there'll be a little snow, but that does that's a perfect time to get out of the house and go to a bike summit and find out uh, where RASDAQ is going this year and all kinds of great stuff. I'll have the P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, are weird politicians in South Dakota? That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Yeah, it's this time to get a little closer to free with the Bodines and the PL statement. Everybody needs a chance once in a while. And I'm going to give our politicians a chance today. First of all, in the PL, uh, this is the time when we look through the news and find interesting things that catch our attention or are worthy of further comment. Uh, you heard at the top of the news from Mr. Dan Peters that Dennis Dugard, the GWD, was given his final State of the State address. Uh, we're going to miss this guy. Seriously, I'm going to miss him. Uh, no matter what, the GWD has always been patient and respectful. 
he answered the questions. There were times when I did disagree with him, particularly uh, back in the day when uh, we were doing some stuff on management of the Human Services Center in Yankton. But those were, in some sense, differences of opinion. What matters is that he never tried to dodge a question or shut down a reporter, not that I ever saw. He was sometimes visibly irritated, but he always maintained decorum and respect. Now, uh, the lost in the forever, lost in the forest forever wing of the Republican Party vilifies the GWD as a closet liberal who didn't show his true colors until it was too late, which is such poppycock. I can hardly believe it. Uh, GWD is a true conservative in the classic sense. I'll have more to say about the governor as we go forward uh, with the legislative session as we move towards the end of his term. Uh, I mention it today just as context for a couple other political figures currently in our world. First, we're going to start with the current mayor. And I know I talked about this yesterday. I know, but I can't, I can't let this pass without comment. So after the big announcement uh, yesterday, the press conference, that he doesn't have any plans, the no news press conference, uh, to run for another office, um, Mike Uther, did le- uh, he didn't let this opportunity pass to let us know that he is still bound for greatness. So he gives an interview with Kello TV, and I, I can't believe I said that, but he did. The mayor demonstrated that his ego knows no bounds. Seriously, no bounds. So in the Kello story, they ask, yeah, what's next? You know, what are you going to do there, Mayor Mike? Hey, hey, buddy. Uh. So House of Representatives, U.S. Congress, uh, he says, isn't, isn't good. He would be honored to lead in the Senate or from the governor's mansion. However, and this is where it gets very rich, he's not limiting his sights to just South Dakota. Even running for president of the United States has been discussed at the Huther dinner table. Quote, Sincerely, I have thought about it. We've talked about it. And I won't rule that out either, Huther said. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. I, that takes a level of, uh, wow. Just wow. You're the mayor of Sioux Falls, dude. (laughs) I, I like it here. It's a wonderful place. You know, thanks for your service. But it's not exactly the national stage, okay? It's not really a stepping stone to anything, not even the governor's mansion. Particularly, as I said, as an independent. Now, best of luck. Really, I said it yesterday, best of luck. But reel it in, brother. You're blocking the sun for the rest of us. Which brings me to Neil Tapio. So... Neil Tapio is a state senator from up in the Watertown area. And, you know, Neil's been around in the background for a while, and he got elected to the legislature. Uh, Now he wants to form a legislative work group to examine state immigration and refugee resettlement programs in South Dakota, according to the AP. He said Monday... Yesterday, the group would analyze the program's, quote, financial and societal effects on state and local governments. Tapio says it will be made up of lawmakers, but won't be an official legislative committee. The committee plans to create a, quote, exhaustive analysis, including financial impacts in areas like education and law enforcement. So, He's also uh, says he's and seems to be preparing for 
uh, a run for Congress uh, against uh, Dusty Johnson, our guest today, and Chantel Krebs, who is Secretary of State in the Republican primary in June. Uh, so that's coming up. But meanwhile, he's going to put together a legislative committee, a working group. Make no mistake, this is not a fair-minded effort to dig into the cost of government. It's a justification for a belief that somehow the United States is under assault from the straw man of Islamic extremism. And I don't mean that terrorism isn't a threat to the United States, because it clearly is. But when you start using that, the threat of terrorism, the very real threat of terrorism as a lever for your bias and your belief that Sharia law is going to sweep the nation and suppress Christianity, that's, those are two different, completely different things. If you listen to Mr. Tapio for any extended period of time, you'll hear hints of what sounds like paranoia. And that was the case today. He was on with my friend Lori Walsh on In the Moment on South Dakota Public Radio and interviewed because of this story. She was trying to interview him. He talks about openness and transparency that he wants. All he wants is a discussion of these issues. And maybe, and maybe that's true. But in the end, what Tapio wants, and there is a constituency for this point of view, clearly, is to keep people out who are different from him. He rambles from topic to topic with these vague references to poverty and Chicago and some unknown force in the universe, near as I can tell. He's building this candidacy for the U.S. House against Krebs and Johnson. He was the South Dakota campaign chairman for President Trump, which is only to point out that much of what you hear from Tapio uh, has hints in the current national debate over immigration. Senator Tapio's effort here is not clear-eyed. It's a tactic intended to ultimately undermine Lutheran Social Services, the agency that does most of the refugee and immigrant settlement in South Dakota, which has become the punching bag for people generally on the right, generally on the far right, who don't agree with the resettlement process that LSS is involved with. Most of which, all of which I think is directly into Sioux Falls. Many of those immigrants filter to other parts of the state to find work, but they begin their new lives in Sioux Falls as with part of the direct settlement under the auspices of the federal government. Unless I miss something, we haven't had any terrorist attacks in Sioux Falls or anywhere near here from, you know, uh, foreign-born Islamic, Islamic nationalists. We aren't living under Sharia law. We aren't living under fear of Islam in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The broader debate over immigration is fine and good. We need to arrive at policies that are both humanitarian and beneficial to the nation. It's, it's a challenge that we as a nation have struggled with, certainly since the Vietnam War, if not earlier. This isn't new. The charges of crime, cultural infiltration, and religious anxiety, these are all familiar to anybody who's been listening. It is fraught with myth 
lore, and unsubstantiated allegation. That the base upon which Tapio builds his crusade, that is its base. Lori Walsh tried to have a reasoned conversation with him earlier today on public radio. She was sincere in trying to give him the platform to explain. I can tell you I don't have that patience for Mr. Tapio because I've talked to him before. A couple years ago now was the last time, and I found it disquieting. I'm not expecting Neil to change. I'm not trying to suppress his speech or anything like that. I'm not asking him to accept my views, nothing along those lines. But it's my hope that when he calls that first meeting of what he's calling his working group on some bright, cold winter morning at the South Dakota State Capitol, the people's house built by and for European immigrants hoping for a better life. My hope for Mr. Tapio is that it will be a very lonely day in the Capitol for him. That's the bottom line on the PL statement for today. Agree or disagree with me, email me, Patrick at KSOO.com. Follow along on the Twitter at P Lally Show. Uber producer Dan Peters is always busy monitoring the social media and pumping out updates. Or you can follow us on Facebook Live. Always good. But we like to hear from you. So chat away. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, it's the common man. We're going to talk about the mayor (laughs) and Oprah maybe a little bit. Good times. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I thought we better get it roused up a little bit for my good friend, directly from City Center, Sioux Falls. The common man. Common man, you are, are you you got it feeling it? Are you feeling it now? Oh, just gets my Irish blood boiling. Yeah, see, I you, I, you know, I've been playing Bruce Springsteen for you, but and that was good, but it's I nice. think this is better. Yeah, I got you know, I got my ancestry thing back, you know, and Did I, you? I, I am. A solid 50% Irish. Really? Yep. So how much uh, Lithuanian do you got? Not, not, not much of that. I've got uh, <laughs> there's like 16% English, you know, Wales and stuff, and then uh, then I've got some uh, I got some German in there, too. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what? You know, there's a phrase for that, for what I think of the British. Exactly. <laughs> I can't say it on the I air. Was, I was had my line for you when you asked me about it, so I, you know, but I'm not going to use that one either. <laughs> the bleeping British, let's just say that. <laughs> Black and tan, yeah. Oh, dirty come out, G. Black and tans, come out and fight me like a man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's not why we're here. St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunity to dig deep into the vault. Yes, we'll go through the troubles. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, do you pay much attention to the? You know, we talk a lot about sports. We talk a lot about you know just life in Sioux Falls. But do you pay attention? much to the uh the politics the mayoral give and take are you involved in that are you watching that i i watch as as an interested observer and of course i mean being a stout citizen i voted for every every election including dog catcher 
and you know, and I, I, I try to be an involved citizen. So yeah, I do. I, I was listening earlier, Patrick, and I and I love. And I, it just seemed I, I, the word I'm going to pick is cute. <laughs> that you were kind of uh, kind of offended that Mayor Mike was was thinking about running for president. Well, just at the, at the same time that you know Oprah Winfrey gives a, an impassioned speech, and it's like, hey, her and Dwayne Rock Johnson, 2020. <laughs> Here yeah. we go. Or or Mike Uther, you know, I mean, 2026, four, I mean, 2024, maybe. I don't know. I, it, you know, I'm, I would never say never because stranger things happen in this world, right? Harry Truman was a haberdasher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's not as dirty as it sounds. Donald Trump was whatever Donald Trump was. So at this point, you're like, all right, whatever. But it's a, to use a phrase of the kid that the kids use these days that I mm-hmm. hear on occasion. It's a bit chesty to be throwing it out there now. <laughs> chesty, I like that. My <laughs> grandmother used to say that for a whole different thing. <laughs> no, it's a little chesty to say. Yeah, you know, I've just done my two terms as mayor of Sioux Falls and. You know, people are a little upset right now, but ah, let's start thinking about the White House, shall we? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was funny because Mayor Mike has a press conference to say, I'm not running for anything uh, right now, mm-hmm. which, you know, I could have had that press conference, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I chose not to because, you know, didn't think anybody cared. Yeah. But, but he's going to run for something sooner or later. Yeah, but he's an independent now. Well, in the, which... Which is exactly what tells you he's going to run for something later. Yeah, because we'll have to pick. He's going to pick which party he wants to be with, given the notion, the state of the times, right? Well, yeah. And every, everyone knows that if you're running for anything above, well, mayor of Sioux Falls, having the D stands for deceased. <laughs> if you're running for anything else in the state of South Dakota, you know, and I have a right to say that because I'm one of the 28 Democrats in this damn state. So. <laughs> really? Well, then you you're you're allowed to have a little safe self hatred, right? Well, exactly. I mean, so so. I mean, but I think when when I was listening earlier, you said, well, he doesn't have any interest in being in in Congress, but you know, the governor or you know, the White House. I said, well, that's per- it. Seems like that would be perfect and very insightful. Because I want, I think he's not running now because he wants to put a little space between mm-hmm. the end of his mayoral era here with some of the, you know, the sort of the loud and eyebrow-raising uh, things that have happened in the last couple of months or so. You know, your golf courses, mm-hmm. your parking ramps, mm-hmm. and your what, what? What did we do with that asbestos again? Uh, you know, those sorts of things. Probably a little distance, and then and, and to look back a couple of years from now and say, "Hey, look at all! Look at that premier center! Look at you know." The other things will fade into the past, so I think that's there's probably some distancing that's looking being done there. Yeah, and, and the whole lying to the public. Well, that never helps, but it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't stopped a lot of politicians. <laughs> that's true. There, there's always redemption, right? It's and that's and that's culture. I believe I believe it was uh, uh, Uber producer Dan Peters who said we are a forgiving people, right, Dan? That, I did that? say that. Yes, yeah. but you know, first you got to ask for forgiveness, right? Yeah. You got to go in the confessional to be to, for the first <laughs> well, step. There's always the bumper sticker that says stop repeat offenders, don't reelect your your favorite politician. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no two-time offenders, please. No two-time offenders, right? But, you know, and I no third three-time losers. And he's going to run for governor because he I I don't think Mayor Mike for his personality being a hey, let's let's band together and build consensus as a congressman. Is, isn't that isn't his style? No. He, uh, he, he's a he's a shot caller, and that's 
Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to go for yeah. anything where it's, hey, you know what, if we, let's work together. No, yeah. no, 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 no thanks. Speaking of shot callers, you, you mentioned Oprah. Oh, well, Oprah's yeah. basically running the country already, isn't she? I think so. That's been you, my understanding for quite a while. <laughs> can you imagine her as president? You know, cause so oh, she, that's the State of the Union. You know, she'll be sitting there, and ladies and gentlemen, the State of the Union is strong. And by the way, everybody here gets a free toaster. <laughs> Look under your seats. There's your tax return. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> you get. You get to go to college. <laughs> You don't have to pay your student loans. Oh, my God, that'd be <laughs> awesome. How about you? Healthcare, mister. <laughs> Rather than uh, you're fired, it's, you know, here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, it's, it's, it'd, that'd be great theater. Yeah. But I just I, I do get kind of a kick. You know, I've, I mean, you watch the Golden Globes, and, and you see uh, all those people. And I and, and the, she gives the speech, and all the welled eyes, and, and the, you know, and it, it, Okay, it just seems that that's so Hollywood. Yes. Okay, we're all yes. going to wear black. We'll write a great big check to Time's Up, and we're going to stamp our feet at the Golden Globes and every other award show from here to the next six months, and everything will be fine. Yes. It's all good. It's all going to be fine. We made hey, it go uh, speaking of good, did you bring me a joke? I brought you a little joke, yeah. Well, fire away. So the guy goes to the doctor, and he says, the Doc, I, I've got this problem. Yeah, what is it? He goes, every morning... 6 a.m. sharp. Well, it's a little embarrassing, but I have a, you know, a, a bathroom movement mm-hmm. at 6 a.m. sharp every morning. A number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the doc says, well, hey, that's perfectly healthy. That's really good for you. you that's nothing to worry about. That's just fine. The guy looks at him kind of puzzled, and he says, well, yeah, I, I guess so, but I don't get up till 7. <laughs> Dan? <laughs> no, uh, Dan? 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 No, he, he he hit the rim shot for you. It was there. Oh, I didn't hear it on my side. So. Oh, that's all right. I was uh, going to say, hey, is this thing on? <laughs> the crickets. Crickets. Uh, <laughs> Common Man, thank you very much for uh, sending this, uh, sending us off for the rest of the day on a high note. Absolutely. Enjoy your politics and politics. Yeah, talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, it's Casey Abbott. He's with RASDAQ, and we're going to talk about the big bike across South Dakota, and the summit coming up on Thursday night. Lots going on. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 344 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am so excited to have in the studio with us today, Casey Abbott. He is uh, not only a friend of mine, he is the, uh, what did we just say, president and uh, entertainment director, tour director for RASDAQ, which is the Ride Across South Dakota, a great bike event that happens. How many years have you been doing that now, Casey? We are going on year six. Really? That's amazing. So... Uh, RASDAQ kind of emerged from the ashes of Tour Dakota. Is it fair to say? Yeah, we, we were uh, veterans of Tour Dakota, and, and uh, uh, we decided to continue on the the legacy of the Tour Dakota and, and uh, decided to try uh, going across the state. And uh, here we are planning year number six. 
Yeah, because Tour Dakota was kind of an East River deal. We'd exactly. pop across the river every once in a while, but it was a, I think we went eight years, eight or nine, and it was uh, uh, organized by Argus Leader Media, and, um, you know, it went, it had good run, but then things changed, and you guys picked up the banner and said, let's go across the state. Now, Gacy, look me in the eye. Here we go. There are days out there in western South Dakota when you wonder, what are we doing out here, right? <laughs> Tell me that's true. I, I had some people question my uh, sanity, but growing up on a ranch on the Rosebud Indian Reservation, I uh, was used to working on branding crews, and, and the ranching communities are used to putting on uh, big dinners and mm-hmm. stuff. And even though it's pretty isolated in some of those areas, uh, I knew that the community would uh would support us and and uh it's turned out that way that way but uh uh yeah there's uh some wide open space out there but it's some beautiful country it took somebody with the confidence of of that you had having lived out there for so long and raised there to say no we can do this it ain't so bad because (laughs) i look at it and i say "Mm, you're nuts but you guys have pulled it off so kudos to you now thursday night so the, I, I, full disclosure, I'm on the board of the Falls Area Bicyclists. Uh, Casey is the uh, one of the organizers of RASDEC. We are coming together. We are holding hands arm in arm for the big uh, uh, bike summit on Thursday night. That'll be the FAB annual meeting. But you've got other plans. Uh, yeah, we're very excited about teaming up. Uh, and uh, it's going to start 5 o'clock uh, at the Icon Lounge. We'll have a social hour from 5 to 6 30 we've got a lot of great door prizes uh then our program's going to start at 6 30 and uh then once we uh do the rasdak announcement we're going to have uh live mu- music courtesy of uh, warning shots out of vermilion so it's going to be a great evening and and uh we're very excited about working with Fab and pulling this off. Yeah, fan of the show, Biking Brady is in that group, which gives me pause as to the <laughs> what's going to happen at the entertainment. But I'm sure it'll be fine. But you buried the lead there, Casey. You buried the. You're too modest a man. You do, you're announcing. You're doing the big announcement of the where you're going to go across the state, the route, the overnight towns, all that stuff, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah, we're uh, going to reveal that the route and then registration opens at that at that point but yeah we're uh, very excited it's another great route and uh i can't wait to uh tell everybody see the looks on their faces now last year first of all uh you cap registration with your ride right we uh limit the the week registration to 200 but like for the single day riders uh we haven't put a cap on that uh, you know, we want to get people to uh, try it for a day. You know, if you, if you haven't done a uh, tour and signed up for a whole week to travel across the states uh, a bit more than you'd like to try, uh, try it for a day. And uh, uh, so we, we encourage that. And there's plenty of opportunity because you're all the way across the state of South Dakota. Exactly. They'll be near you some point. Um, so seven days, right? seven days uh and uh it'll be uh like i said another great adventure last year was very popular route because you spent a lot of days in the black hills and the badlands and sort of minimized the days of open prairie um 
uh, I, you can't do that every year, can you? You know, I like to uh, change up the route every year, and you know, there's so so many neat areas in South Dakota t- to uh, see. But you know, when you take the ride through the Badlands, you, you can't go wrong. And I had a number of people come up to me and say that one day through the Badlands made the whole week worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but yeah, we uh, we try to give them a uh, as a good adventure adventures we can but yeah last year was was pretty special doing the badlands and ending up in sioux falls yeah and that helps too in terms of logistics doesn't it because a lot of folks live here they you know it's easier to leave your stuff and all that yeah and we uh provide uh buses i mean it's an optional charge to uh you know help people with that but that is one of the challenges with an across the right uh uh route like that you know how do you get you know, to the start and to the finish. And so, but after five years, we've uh, got a pretty good routine and, and uh, work with participants. So, yeah. And you've, uh, uh, you've, like you say, you try and take as much of the logistical problems out of it. So it's, it's more seamless for people who want to uh, have you help them. Yeah. We, 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 you know, we want people to, uh, well, one, you know, safety is a big issue, but two, just have a great time and, you know, and some people, they'll bring their families along and, and, uh, you know, it's not a race, you know, you, you can take your time. We've got stops lined up about every 15 miles. Uh, so, uh, what's the longest day on the route this year? Oh, you always got to throw a century day yeah, in there. Yeah, hundred miles. That's yeah. always a capper, but, uh, okay. But everybody usually doesn't have to ride a hundred or does that have to happen on Razdan? Well, once in a while it does, uh, I'll say this year it's close to that on one day although we've got some options where the people can drop that mileage down and uh you will always there's sag which is yes. support and if you can't make it you can get a ride yeah if uh if your bike bro- breaks down or <laughs> you physically or mentally <laughs> you yeah. know, break no nobody's encouraging that right? no. i mean there's no shame in sag but there's no glory in it either no if if uh you know we can drop people off about two miles out of town so they can ride in and and the secret (laughs) is safe come on now casey that's not good don't be doing that don't don't give people the out um so thursday night at icon lounge uh uh, casey abbott he's the president of uh rasdak and tour guide uh he'll be down there at icon but there's going to be a lot of other people down there right oh we've got uh we've got at least 18 other groups that are going to have uh, booths. Uh, the three uh, three bike shops here in town are uh, will be represented. Uh, we've got other one-day bike tours uh, from Pier, Mitchell, uh, one from Beersford. we got one from Rapid City that's going to be out, so different one-day rides. We're very excited that this year we have Strider Bikes, that's going to be uh, in attendance, and it's the founder and C- CEO of Strider Bikes, Ryan McFarland, yeah. who's coming out. Uh, they're That's actually awesome. giving away a Strider bike for uh, as a door prize. And Strider bikes, if people don't know, they they I don't know that they invented it, but they perfected the their bikes for kids who they don't have pedals. They're just like coaster bikes, but they've revolutionized little kid biking. They've sold one point eight million. Uh, Strider bikes. It's it's amazing, and we are extremely excited to have Ryan 
coming out and being a part of this event. And they're based in Spearfish, right? Uh, Rapid City. Rapid City. I knew it was in the hills somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's an awesome story, and it'll be really cool to have him there, and people can and chat with him, and it's really fun. Uh, but it's it's uh, you can bring your families and everything, but it's still a party, right? Yeah, well, uh, it's, you know what, it's going to be a great time at the Icon Lounge, uh, and I know you're kind of giving Kevin Brady a hard time, but <laughs> I, I know those guys will do a bang-up job uh, with the entertainment, and uh, we're uh, looking forward to uh, anybody that's even considered doing, uh, you know, a one-day bike tour, yeah. or, or actually we'll be talking about local biking yeah, opportunities here absolutely. in Sioux Falls. Even if you're just interested in cycling. Just interested in cycling. I, uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, the Falls Area single track will be uh, represented because mm-hmm. uh, I know there's some interest in doing some more there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam with the City of Sioux Falls is going to talk about what the city has got planned for mm-hmm. uh, making more biking, improving biking. I mean, we've already got a great deal with the with a bike path here in town, but you know, they're making more improvements. So, uh, uh, if you, uh, have, uh, enjoy, uh, biking, it'd be a great night. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And so, so it's, what are the hours again? Uh, open doors at five o'clock down at the icon exhibit hall. And then at six thirty will be the actual program but we're giving door prizes between five and seven o'clock perfect and uh we're going to start the band up a little early uh shortly after seven o'clock we'll get perfect kevin and that bunch going uh casey abbott he's president and uh tour guide for rasdeck the ride across south dakota and the big bike summit is this thursday night and fab will be represented fast all your local groups and bike shops really going to be a good time uh thanks for coming in casey i appreciate it thank you patrick Coming up after the news at the top of the hour, we're going to chat with Alex Alisi from KDLT Weather, and then we're going to have Dusty Johnson, a Republican candidate for House of Representatives, in studio. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room, if you could call it that a week ago, I never do. Hey everybody, remember coming up on January 27th, that's a Saturday, Sioux Empire on Tap at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries, two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your tickets right now, SiouxEmpireOnTap.com. That baby sold out last year. You're going to want to be there. Get your tickets. I'll be there some point coming up after the news with dan peters we're going to have congressional candidate dusty johnson in the house stay tuned that's all coming up on the patrick lally show information 1000 kso Four thirteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And you know it's political season. In fact, it's <laughs> Isn't such it always. It, it's such <laughs> yes, that's true. But we are now mere 
weeks, really weeks away yes. from the Republican primary for the U.S. House of Representatives. And so we're very happy to have in studio with us today one of the folks that will be on that ballot for you if you're a Republican, Mr. Dusty Johnson. Dusty, thanks for coming in. Patrick, I love it. Thanks for having me. So uh, you are the former chief of staff to Dennis Dugard. You are a former public utilities commissioner, and we won't bore anything people with anything about the PUC. But uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, I know we were talking just briefly beforehand, uh, Governor's State of the State today, his last one. Um, you didn't get to hear any of it, but what's it like going into that sort of uh, operation, doing a State of the State? We hear a lot about what goes on behind the scenes with the State of the Union and the drafts and all that kind of stuff. For you working with the GWD, was that was it an intense experience? It, uh, yeah, preparations really start you know months in advance. I mean, you start to think about what do you want that legislative session to look like? What do you want the governor's agenda to look like over the course of that next year? And uh, so it's not a speech you start the week before. Um, the governor takes uh, a surprisingly hands-on role in the preparation of that speech. And uh, he really cares about it. I mean, he really, really cares about it. I mean, he is not a soaring, gifted orator, uh, you know, in... in uh, really? Uh, I think he's incredibly earnest. He is earnest. Incredibly earnest, honest. Is, earnest orator is, yes. I think, an appropriate phrase there. And, and I think when he's talking uh, from his heart, he's a very effective speech maker. Um, but he doesn't want a lot of fluff in there. I mean, he's not going to have these flights of fancy, these rhetorical flourishes. Mm-mm. This is a guy who is uh, cares about details, and boy, does that show. He's never met a uh, uh, a transition that he really likes. <laughs> <laughs> Takes up too much space, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get he, to the point. He has, it seems to me in recent years, got more concerned about the length of the speech. I think he's gotten a little pushback on that. He's, I mean, this is a guy who- Do cares. they remember Bill Janklow? Well, but with, <laughs> but with Bill, you had these flights of fancy, yeah. right? I mean, it was sort of a, a roller coaster ride. Buckle up and listen to Bill go. You know, the governor really, I mean, Governor Dugard- uh, really cares about the act of governing. He cares less about politics than any other A-list politician uh, that I've worked with. He cares more about governing as much as anybody I know. I can, I can see where that would be true. Um, agree or disagree with him. Yeah, he, right. He cares about the, the management of the people's business. Yes. I was thinking about that coming in. That is the guy he is. He's, you know, this is what I think we should do. Mm-hmm. This would be, I think, the most prudent thing to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn from Governor Dugard? That because that's been a while now that you were. What what years were you chief of staff? Well, the entirety of the first term, you know, and the average tenure for a gubernatorial chief of staff in this country is eighteen months. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a burnout job, and even at the federal level, you see that. I mean, President Obama had five chiefs of staff, so that'd be right. about every eighteen months. I mean, uh, President Trump is obviously on his second and. Uh, just done with one year. You, I mean, it is a burnout job. Uh, and so when I stepped down after four years, Patrick, I was the sixth longest tenured chief in the country. I mean, I'd go to these chiefs of staff meetings and I wouldn't know anybody. Yeah, they were um, all new. Yeah, they were all new. <laughs> you know, some of those guys get uh, indicted for white collar crimes, right? right? That's uh, but, right. But uh, it's a burnout job too. I mean, I, I routinely did not check my email until about six o'clock at night because the whole day was just back to back meetings and making decisions and helping to run government. But uh, what I learned from him, I mean, I am, I really in a, a, I had sort of thought I was almost done growing, right? I mean, I had worked in the governor's office and, you know, I had worked in the private sector and I had been a public utilities commissioner, elected statewide twice, right? I'm a big boy. 
And I think I learned more from him during that four years. Well, just not not from him, but from the whole team. I learned more during those four years than, than I had learned in the 10 years prior to that. I mean, this is a guy who does not let you get angry when you get fired up. Yes, passion. Yes, vision, of course. But you're not going to take it out on your coworkers. You will not say bad things about legislators. You know, they're not to be ma- mocked or laughed at. I mean, these are hardworking people doing, you know, doing the business of the public, and, and we're not going to have a lot of fun at their expense behind closed doors even. He is the consummate gentleman. Yeah. We're talking with Dusty Johnson. He is a candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from South Dakota. Uh, you have right now one opponent. We should say in the primary oh, two, uh, two opponents, really. Yeah. So you've got uh, uh, Chantel Krebs, mm-hmm. who's the current Secretary of State, and Neil Tapio, right? Yep. And you're counting him amongst the three, right? Yeah, Neil's so, running. Yes, I. That every indication says he's running. I have. <laughs> he hasn't had like an announcement or anything, right? I mean, yeah, really, like a formal tour. He hasn't done that deal. I always think, you know, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. I've never liked how these candidates go from, you know, I'm thinking about it to I'm considering it to I'm on the cusp of it. They try to build up over the course of months all this uh, interest. You know, somebody asked me, you know, like the day after Christy Noem got out of the house, uh, or, or said she was running for governor. Hey, Dusty, are you interested in running for House? And I probably should have played it coy, but Patrick, I just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, my interest in running for the House? Yeah, I am. Well, all of a sudden then I'm, I'm uh, an announced candidate and we're off to the races. But Isn't it easier to do it that way? I've never understood that either. Like, eh, you, everybody knows you're running. Just say you're running and then well, worry about the logistics later. But if you're a good politician, and there are times I'm not, you play it that way. I mean, Yesterday, the mayor has a press conference to announce that he's not running for something. (laughs) That's right. And it is the front page of the city who, or the paper that will not be named, right? No, I'll say it's the front page of the Argus Leader. Front page of the Argus Leader. I don't have any quarrel with that. And, and, you know, I'm sure he got all kinds of radio coverage today, too. And so whether you agree with the mayor or not, you've got to say that he did a really good job of getting attention for his intentions. Yeah. Let's talk about your intentions. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about immigration just briefly because Mm -hmm. it's been kind of a hot point um, nationally and and here. Uh, The president said yesterday that essentially he wants Congress to take a shot at uh, uh, comprehensive immigration reform. That's a lot. And they've never been able to do it. President Bush wanted to do it in the worst way, couldn't do it. So we end up with piecemeal. We end up with conversations about amnesty and the rest. Do you, first of all, do you support what the president has said he wants to do and chain migration, which is people coming up, relatives who have immigrated to the United States um, and the lottery system and do build the wall, but he wants something for, for, to build, you know, he will give up, he will do something for DACA for the deferred uh, folks if we can get money for the wall. That's sort of his four points. What, do you agree with that? Well, some of it I agree with, some of it I don't, and I'll expand. You know, listen, I'm not going to Washington to be anybody's rubber stamp, right? I mean, not Paul Ryan's and not Mitch McConnell's and not you know Donald Trump. There's a lot of things the president has done that I really like. Um, 
you know, I, I like the idea of getting rid of the lottery. I don't mind a point-based system. Much of the world does it that way. You identify those people that you really think are going to contribute to the American dream, and you give them an opportunity to come over here. I think there is some value to chain immigration. I mean, if we want to be a culture that continues to value family, uh, and if we think families create this basis for Western civilization, which I do, and for other civilizations, then, you know, I think if uh, you know a married couple comes over, if they want to bring mom and dad over, uh, that to me, I think, can be a part of the positive immigration story. I will, and, and a lot of the positive immigration stories are full families ending up in the United States, operating small businesses, entrepreneurial, yeah. and then becoming success stories. Yeah. So by the power of and the ability to do that was the fact that they had the family members with them. Yeah, and so you know. When the president is for uh, more border security and a big part of that border security being a physical barrier, am I for that? Yes. And frankly, so was President Obama at different times. And we have added miles to this physical wall under many recent presidents. It didn't used to be that controversial a deal. So am I for more physical barrier? Yes, I am. Am I for more of a point-based system? Yes, I am. But a contiguous, just for clarification, a contiguous wall from, uh, you know, the Pacific Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico? Well, it's not, it's a little hard for me to imagine that a physical wall is the very best way to keep us safe at every single mile along the path. Now, listen, I'm willing to listen to experts, and even the president, you know, this $18 billion is over 10 years. So to me, we can fight over what happens in year eight or nine or 10, and that's the Washington way, right? Let's pitch a fit. To me, my approach is more, well, we can all agree that this 70 miles of wall needs to be done now, right? Let's go build that in year one. Well, then let's talk about year two and let's talk about year three. Um, I, you know, almost everybody can get on board with additional miles of the wall. Let's worry about year there, 10 a few years from now. Seriously, I would think that uh, the immigration folks down the the Border Patrol knows where the part where the places are that are most troublesome Absolutely. and where the places are that are don't have any trouble at all because there's nobody out there. There are places where fences uh, might work better and drones and more uh, border security guards may work better than a wall. There, there will be lots of places where a wall will make more sense. So when people ask me, Dusty, are you for a wall? I say, absolutely, I'm for a wall. We've got one now, hundreds of miles of wall. It doesn't I'm always not a- work. No, of course it doesn't always work, but I think that's why the president uses a word like comprehensive. I think he's smart enough to understand you've got a whole bunch of tools in the toolbox, and it's not just a hammer that you're going to pull out of there. Were you, no, to be honest, were you surprised when he said today to Congress, if you want to do, send me comprehensive immigration reform, send it to me? Because he's not said that before. He's talked about very specific things, but not, hey, let's look at all of it, send me a package. Well... I was surprised. I do not think that immigration is going to get done as a single bill. Uh, it's big. But if what, the, if what the president is saying is, hey, there are, a, there are 15 or 16 things we have got to address with immigration, and we should get all of them done in the next few years, I'm with that. I mean, I will back the president's play on that. To me, though, this is a little bit like getting healthy. If you try to work at, out more and eat better and take more supplements and see that, I mean, if you try to do 100 things with your health all in the first week, you are less likely to be positive uh, or effective and successful than if you focus on two or three things to start and build from there. And so I think that's what the president and Congress are going to do. They're going to cut a deal on DACA. They're going to cut a deal on a border wall. And they're going to build from that success. This may not be a fair question this close to the uh, the bottom of the hour here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. 
because it, it relates. Will you renounce this, this, the, the dark underbelly of this uh, debate on immigration, which is this, the anti-Muslim fear mongering? Uh, will you I, renounce that here and now and get it over with? I would say this. I would say people who uh, want to make immigration seem like a holy, uh, evil, and unfortunate part of American society are wrong. I would tell you immigration for more than 200 years has been a part of what has helped create a dynamic and positive American dream. And uh, I think there is a place in this country for people of all faiths. If you believe in the American dream, if you believe in American values, if you wish this country well, I think there's a place for you in this country. We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. And we're going to talk more with Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I welcome back to his chair, Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for U.S. House of Representatives. He was wandering around the studio taking in the... uh, the artifacts. The ambiance. It's beautiful here. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? I need to bring in a tuba. Yeah, all of the gold, uh, the gold gilded uh, stuff is fantastic. <laughs> the fixtures are very nice. The espresso bar, I think, uh-huh. has been a nice addition <laughs> since uh, uh, Nobi left. Um, so let's hit some other topics. Now, uh, but hold on. On, on immigration. You no, know, see, I, I was off immigration. Well, no, but that's fine. But I want to say the other side, too, right? I mean, you asked me a straightforward question. I gave you a straightforward answer. Yes, you I did. don't want to poo-poo security concerns, though. I mean, there are people who will deny that there are that radical Islamism is a thing and that there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people who want to be an existential threat to this country. And so, yes, immigration can be an incredibly powerful and positive part of the American story. But to tag everybody as a potential a potential window into Islamic extremism is where you demonize Islam by using the phrase. And I know that's, you know, people on the right freak out because Obama wouldn't say Islamic extremism. Well, there's a reason for it, and it's a very good reason, and it's because you associate a religion with violence. I disagree. I think citizens of the world are smart enough to understand when somebody talks about you gotta be kidding when somebody talks about a crazy republican that is different than talking about a republican and in my mind i don't have any problem saying that there are muslims who are extreme and there There are muslims who are not there are christians that are extreme absolutely the problem is using the religion as a tag to identify violence now that's what you can call people terrorists you can call them evil you can call them whatever you want because that's true you are when you're out to kill people you're an evil evil person okay Absolutely. that's fine but when you start connecting religion to evil you've done it wrong that's why doing this vetting doing this monitoring is so important because what it does is it makes it very clear that listen we're going to make sure that what regardless of where you come from whether it's norway or whether it's saudi arabia that you really do believe in the american dream and you want to be a part of it yes i mean i there's no litmus test on religion for me i want to make that clear but there, the numbers of the views of men and women in the Middle East are not are not in alignment with American values. I mean, the percentage of, of uh, people. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! What did you no, just let, say? Okay, if you look at the percentage of people who live in Egypt or live in Saudi Arabia or live in Jordan who believe that the punishment for a female committing committing adultery should be stoning, it is incredible. It, it is it is something that should not be dismissed lightly 
there are differences yes, in values. Your, that is a difference in value. That yes. is true. But to use the blanket to say that they don't share American values is not true because we all share common. We share this as human beings. We want to be safe. Yeah. And we want to be, we want our families to be safe and we want to have food and we want to have shelter. Okay. We want our children to do better than we did. All of those things, which are American values, are universal values. There are beautiful, wonderful, uh, smart, peaceful, caring, hardworking people from Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Jordan and every other country in the world. So I do not paint with too broad a brush. And that's the problem. When you use the Mm -hmm. phrase, you paint with too broad a brush. Uh, There's a whole bunch of words that we used to use, that I used to use growing up, Mm -hmm. that I don't use anymore. Because we decided that they they did not cast the person in a correct way that caused society to view them as less than. Do you really, th- I mean, I don't have any problem describing somebody as an evangelical Christian or a fundamentalist Christian. And I'll, those words don't have to have any negative connotation to them. And nor does attaching them to the word Christian mean that every Christian has fundamental beliefs or evangelical beliefs. But you, cannot say, it, you cannot say to me that when you call somebody an evangelical Christian, that that uh, that that invokes the idea of these complete evil people who claim to be evangelical Christians walking into churches and killing people. No, you don't I'm, associate the two. But when you use Islamic extremism, you associate almost, in, in a lot of people's minds, mm-hmm. and a lot of people in South Dakota, you associate Islam with violence. No, what I'm saying is you can attach an adjective to a word and people are smart enough to understand that you're not talking. I mean, have you ever used the no, words? Not. Ha, have you ever used the words crazy conservative? I have. There are some conservatives out there that I, I agree with. There are some out there that I don't. And I don't have any problem. If you wanted to use the word crazy conservative, I would, as a conservative, Patrick, I would not be offended. First some of, of all, us are crazy I, and of some all, of us aren't. First of all, I, I really don't use the word crazy, but that's a very specific word. Um, I try not to because I think it, it does... Again, it minimizes the actual importance of mental illness in our society. That's fair. So, and what I'm saying is, because President Obama didn't say Islamic extremism, the association that he wasn't tough on terrorism is a straw man. It's not true. And I would say this, that I said it earlier. You can go back and listen to it. There is a difference between terrorism that is real and there are people that want to kill us, and we need to have that discussion. And anything having to do with the Muslim faith. Because you're smart enough to separate it, but there's a whole bunch of people out there who either aren't or don't want to. There, and I understand what you're saying, and I think there are, there, when we're talking about national security, of course we need to talk about the stuff in nuance, and we shouldn't paint with too broad a brush. I get it. But well, let's do but, that. But I'm not even just talking about people who want to blow up this country. I am talking about views of a vast majority of a number of, of citizens of a country who have views that we would not tolerate being codified in this country. That is, sure. that is an extremism within the commonly held beliefs in all kinds of countries. Now, I don't judge each individual citizen of that country on the basis of what 60% or 70% of their fellow countrymen may believe. But we need to be aware of the fact you, that not everybody in this world thinks like we do. Do you apply that same standard to the Russian Orthodox Church? Well, yeah, right? I mean, there Putin. are, I mean, what do you mean? I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that are 
commonly held beliefs in Russia that we would not codify in this country. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So we're going to start calling them orthodox extremists? Some of them, absolutely. What's Some the difference between an orthodox? How do you choose who's the extremist and who's not? This is the problem with mm-hmm. it because it is not nuanced. It's an overgeneralization. It's too broad and it's not, it is not worthy of the American discourse. Well, I think when people, millions of people in a country believe and will tell surveyors that they think female adulterers should be stoned, that the punishment should be stoning to death, I will call that extremism. And the fact that it is tied to the cultural and religious fabric of that country is something I think we need to be aware of. Yes, we should be sensitive to it. We shouldn't be flippant about it. But I think when we try to be too careful with our language, we don't always help building an understanding of what people in the world really believe. Specific That's language, extreme. Specific, that is extreme. Specific language. I, I am not forced. I know. I agree with that 100%. Why do you want to stern all these women? If somebody wants to leave that country for a better life, then we can't say to them, no, you're from a Muslim country. You're not coming here. You guys stone women. I agree with you 100%. And that would be the difference. I mean, the front page of a newspaper a few weeks ago had the other candidates in this race talk about a far more aggressive vetting where I think religion was more of a component than I was comfortable with. Yes. I'm not that guy. Okay. I want detailed, a careful, extreme vetting and monitoring of people because I think bad folks can come from any country in this world. This is awesome. Honest to God, this is the best discussion I've had on this in a long time. Dusty Johnson, he is a Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. We're going to towel off and we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. We continue our conversation with Dusty Johnson, candidate for the Republican nomination for South Dakota's lone seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. That primary is in June, just around the corner. His opponents are. We should be sure to say everybody's name: Shinto Krebs, Secretary of State, and Neil Tapio, State Senator. And we got uh, Tim Bjorkman running on the Democrat side. And yep. Yep. Uh, of course, he won't be on the primary ballot for the Republicans. But, uh, you know, I think South Dakotans are going to have a, have some good choices available to them in June and November. Uh, unless you want to make this all about immigration, we're going to move on to some other topics. <laughs> First off, I want to bring up something that I think is very important and I think is kind of overlooked, and that's trade policy. Sounds boring, but NAFTA, oh, has, not. NAFTA has been very good for the state of South Dakota. I don't. There's no objective measure that doesn't say NAFTA has been good for agriculture in South Dakota and therefore good for South Dakota. The president continues to talk about tearing it up. And he did tear up the, uh, the Pacific Agreement. Are, was that the right thing to do? Well, I think access to markets is critical for South Dakota. And I think, as you said, any, any analysis of the numbers would bear that out. Um, if you make world-class products whether it's beef or whether it's corn or whether it's technology, there are going to be people across the planet who want to buy that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just conceptually, I mean, I'm, I'm a limited government guy, right? When you've got a willing buyer and a willing seller, I think you need to be pretty careful before you have government getting in the middle of that. Now, what I'm hopeful of is that the president, who is this grand negotiator, isn't really against NAFTA, isn't really against free trade so much as he is against Americans not getting as good a deal as they could get. Are we getting a bad deal out of NAFTA? 
Well, I, I do think after the I think I think the president's going to come away with a better set of trade deals with Canada and Mexico because of some of this rhetoric and some of this posturing and some of this work he's done than we have today. I mean, we don't really have free trade. We don't have free. I mean, there are lots of strings and lots of conditions and lots and that's of that's what NAFTA positions. was supposed to do was to take down the barriers, get rid oh. of the tariffs to the degree that you can. But, and that's, but what the, is, I mean, that's what the TPP did. But all of this, I mean, NAFTA, and I don't know whether it's hundreds or thousands of pages, right? But it's huge. If it was really just about saying, you know, hey, you get to buy what you want and sell what you want, they don't need thousands of pages to do that. These trade agreements are far more complex and nuanced than that. And I will just bet you that the president's going to get a better deal on NAFTA uh, negotiating the way that he's negotiating than he would if he just sort of said, ah, good enough's good enough. Okay, let's look at uh, Asia. Mm-hmm. We don't have the TPP. We're paying, God, what's it, three or four times the tariff uh, or the, the, the tariff uh, that, that the Asian countries are paying for American beef, for instance, it would have come way down. It would have made American beef cheaper in Asia. We gave that up. It wasn't China. Okay. China wasn't included in this. We gave that up. And so who are they going to trade with? China. Well, and Australia is going to be a huge beneficiary. I mean, to the extent that the people in, in Asia... Yes, uh, they're a huge beef producer. Yeah, and particularly in Southeast Asia, to the extent that they were hungry for American beef, they're going to get pretty hungry for Australian beef, and they're going to have access to it. I mean, And pork, and uh, chicken, all uh, of it. Absolutely. We, we have the best protein in the history of the planet, Yes, and we are going to have lesser access to some of those markets than countries like Australia. Big, growing, middle-class markets. Right. Uh, I... You know, the the problem with the TPP, uh, among other things, the big problem was I don't think it was transparent enough. And I think, you know, now I'm singing, you know, your message to you. But I think when you do, even if you're well-intentioned, doing things behind closed doors too much, what you do is you lose faith from yep. people. They don't have any reason to believe that you're working for their best interests. And I think way too many of those trade negotiations were done without transparency. I don't think there was enough advance notice to the American consumer, to American industry, to American policymakers in Congress about what was happening. And I think I think it sunk the thing. Fair enough. Um, tax cuts. Uh, do you think that the, uh, first of all, some very good things in there the doubling of the personal exemption, right? And and the increase in the child tax care credit, all that stuff could be very, very good for people in South Dakota. Correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, we didn't really make the, make the tax code simpler. I was hopeful it'd get no, a lot simpler. No. It got more complex. But for most Americans, or I should say many Americans, millions of Americans, it's going to get easier because they went from itemizing and now they'll be able to do, you know, the 1040 easy yep. or some other simple tax filing that's going to take Especially the standard Especially if you've got deduction. a lot of kids. It, well, absolutely. And so, you know, on the whole, this this is going to be good for the American economy. Okay. Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. Do you believe that the uh, corporate tax cuts, which they needed to bring the, the, uh, the, the, the rate down from 35 because it was causing problems for corporations abroad, but do you actually believe that those tax cuts and the the forgiveness of some of the foreign money bringing back to the country, all that stuff is going to mean better jobs for middle class Americans. I do. Why? I, I, I capital wants to go to work, 
And, you know, our previous tax code, and you alluded to this, made it really hard to repatriate some of these uh, some of these revenues, some yes. of these profits. Yes. And so even when you had companies who wanted to reinvest in America, they were paying too high a tax to be able to bring that money back to this country and put it to work. So they had to either storehouse it overseas or they ended up Well, they're going to do whatever makes them the most money, and, and that's what it was. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the straw that stirs the drink, right? But and they, here's the thing is that the profit motive is is a powerful force. So is the shareholder motive. And you know what companies are doing. They are buying back the stock. And there are going to be some instances where that could be very good news for the economy at large. But what I'd say is when you were telling companies, in essence, you have got to reinvest those profits overseas, that that's not good for American workers. No, it wasn't good. So to the extent that that money comes back and gets reinvested here, I think it's going to unlock all kinds of wage growth. I think it's going to unlock all kinds of job growth. Although I would tell you, I think wage growth is more important today than job growth for most people. We have low unemployment, low interest rates, historic low unemployment, historically low interest rates, um, actual growth in the last, ever since the Great Recession, which almost took us under, okay, it's now, I fear, uh, overheating. Do you, as as a member of Congress, you have some influence in terms of fiscal policy and all these mm-hmm. different things. Are you worried now that the economy is too hot? Essentially, what is the ideal GDP in this situation? Well, I mean, we're cruising along at a little over three. I don't think that's overheated. Uh, no, three is good. I, I mean, three is good. Three is good. I mean, that's your, I mean, I think the president would say that's your Trump dividend. And, uh, you know, don't we all love it? I mean, are, are we sick of winning yet? I mean, and built and, on, I want to say this, and I can't let this pass without <laughs> It's been a year. Obviously, fiscal policy has a lot, it has a lot longer view than any given president. Yeah, there's no there's no question that, you know, the president gets too much blame and too much credit for the economy. That's true of all presidents. I would say one of the things that I think the president has done that we should be most excited about is he has tried to recreate America as the best bastion for investment. And I get it. The fat cats will get richer and we can, you know, have a certain amount of class warfare. But I would tell you, I'm less concerned about the fat cats and I'm more concerned about what happens in absolute terms to working class families. And if, I would and agree if to with get you them one. ahead and if to get them a higher standard of living, yes. that ends up meaning yes. that some millionaire ends up buying a bigger boat. Care. Listen, I'm okay with that. At some yes. point, we've got to have working class people who have opportunity. Yes. And you know what is thwarting entrepreneurship at the very base level? And some guy wants to open a small gas engine repair shop or whatever it is, healthcare, because you can't leave the job at the plant because that's where he gets his healthcare. So he's not going to be entrepreneurial because there's no way you can afford it. It could wreck him. So how are you going to fix that? Well, one thing we've done, I mean, listen, the Obamacare approach was to say, well, let me back up. Don't back up too far. you got about a minute. Okay. <laughs> At some point, we've got to subsidize sick people. And there have always been mechanisms in recent history to subsidize sick, fo- sick folks. President Obama's mistake was that he decided to subsidize sick folks through premiums. We dumped all the sick, sick folks in a big pool. Premiums went up. When I graduated from college and got a big boy job, Patrick, my, uh, I was paying 105 bucks for health care. You can't get that policy today. And it's because we are well, subsidizing those folks sub- in the wrong poor. way. Well, yes. It's it's the healthcare is stifling economic growth. That's there's just no way around. Government that. mandates are driving a lot of that cost increase. Mm. <sighs> well, but you're going to have to leave that right there because I can't go into. We don't have time. We don't. Have oh, time sure, for we what, do no, for we the don't. truth. There's always time for the <laughs> truth. 
That's what Buck Sexton would say, and he's up at 5 o'clock, so uh, we're going to have to defer to Mr. Buck Sexton on that one. Um, I want you to uh, know that I'm very appreciative of you being here and that I had a whole list of other issues, but we hit some good stuff, and we will have more opportunities. So when you're in town again, I'm you're, always you're, in you're, town. Only, you're not that I'm far running away. for office. Yeah, you're only a phone call away. But thank you, Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for U.S. House of Representatives. Thank you so much for coming in today, sir. You bet, Lally. Thanks. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. That's what I need. I need a little clash to get me even more revved up. A little more aggressive for my bike ride home. Look out, cars, here I come. Hey, everybody, don't forget, January 19th and 20th, Fun Ski. That's a Friday and Saturday at Great Bear Recreation Area. Out there east of Sioux Falls, events include a snow sculpture contest, snow tube races, rain jam, fat bike race, cross-country ski race, frozen leg kickball, border cross slash skier cross, downhill corporate cup, snowboard giant slalom, zip five sled races, proceeds benefit the Sioux Falls Children's Inn. It is a great great organization and a really fun event i'll be out there for the fat bike race so come and say hi more information on that you go to funski.org brought to you by our friends at media one coming up on the show tomorrow emily wanless will be in here she's a political science professor at augustana university who chaired a panel studying south dakota's initiative and referral system Oh, there's going to be a lot of talk about initiative and referral. We'll talk about out-of-state money. Oh, you people know how I feel about that one. Scott Hudson will be in for Weird Friends, and we're going to meet Dylan McNeil. Dylan's a, a kid I know. He's a teenager and a bike racer from Omaha. He's got some South Dakota roots in him. He just returned from Belgium, where he competed in some of the most iconic cyclocross races in the world as a member of the U.S. Junior National Team. It's going to be great to talk to Dylan. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.